and I'll tell you, trailers go a long way. Obviously, they're meant to sell the movie, but if you have a trailer as strong as that, that's going to help too. It's over a billion. This is over a billion easy on that film. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike. One co-host also, Mike, is here to introduce a special third co-host for this episode that we've hyped up a couple times talking about all things box office, Michael. Yeah, he's back on MMO today. Eric Weber of YouTube's Midnight Movie Talk, the uh, the new channel there, and AwardsAce.com. AwardsAce.com has done a tremendous amount to really pave the way for our Oscars year and preview series that Absolutely. we've been in the midst of, Eric. So thank you for doing all the legwork there, my friend. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to watch Midnight Movie Talk. Even though we were talking in the pre-show, you've gone a little dark lately, and I'm a little <laughs> afraid for you. <laughs> but welcome. <laughs> it's, it's, thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be back. It's, uh, it's a disappointing year, but it's also there's a lot of good st- it's one of these years that you've got really high highs and some really i mean the lowest of lows and it's early though i mean this the thing about it is we're only in april and mm-hmm. and studios traditionally as you guys know hold the best stuff until the end of the year because if it's going to be an awards player you're not going to put it out in april or march i mean except for something like everything everywhere you look at get out black panther you know movies that had success that were released earlier in the year but in general if you want to have any shot at award success you've got to have it in that awards window starting in say october until the end of the year so right now you're not going to get the stuff that is going to be the best that said i mean john wick four is a tremendous film uh it, it really is and uh i mean i don't know why it can't be an awards film I mean, when you really look at it, and I know we're going to talk about that today, but, but that's the thing is, is these lows of a bow is afraid that is like the lowest of lows. And and then the, the stratospheric highs of a John Wick four, that's so far what we've had in 2023. You've obviously got, got the background in at awardsace.com covering Oscar movies and you've, you've moved over to the YouTube channel and you're covering the hell out of the box office now with Midnight Movie Talk. You're riding the highs and lows, which is probably what we'll do in this episode as well in terms of the questioning. But I would like to start us off with something positive because we got a lot of money-making power from the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's still going up and up and up. It just went over $500 million and that's just with the d- domestic rake from the weekend. With the international, it's probably going to be over 550 This is a bona fide blockbuster, Eric. I'm wondering how high you think it could go. If I put an over-under, and we'll do some more over-unders later, if I put an over-under on Mario, $850 million worldwide, are you taking the over or the under? Over right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this wow. is performing. Look at it this weekend this weekend it looks like it's going to hold at maybe even under 50 percent uh weekend to weekend which is unheard of Crazy. you know i mean for any kind of giant tentpole blockbuster uh those things typically drop at 60 percent plus for that second weekend so for this to hold at you know minus 50 or better that speaks to the you know appetite of audiences to get out there and uh, enjoy a fun movie. Listen, I'm disappointed by the film. I don't think it's a great Lego movie, you know, intelligent, clever, witty film, but uh, it also isn't the worst film. I think it's one of those films that rides the mid 
And obviously audiences are okay with that because it's at 500 million, as you said, worldwide, and it's going to hold again well this weekend. So right now, I think 850 uh, looks very attainable. Yeah. And, you know, lucky for us, we're also getting movies that we, we love that, are, that go beyond the mid. Air is, is certainly one of those. All three of us can high five on air. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Uh, so we're cheering on Mario in one sense, but we're also a little bit perplexed, Eric, because everybody's treating air like it's this big hit. And yet, I hate to say it, 30.9 million worldwide last weekend on a 70 to 90 million dollar estimated budget that typically is not something that's going to be in the black at the end of it now there's been a lot on the marketing 50 million spent by amazon uh including a seven million dollar super bowl commercial so there seems to be this sizable investment of something between 110 and 140 uh into air now Air was supposed to just go to streaming. Amazon pivoted to, I think, our delight. But what do you know about the economics of a movie like Air? I, I know you've talked about the release windows, kind of, you know, play coy with that if you're Amazon, and may, maybe you can explain that for us. But what do you what do you think it has to make? Is Amazon happy to make seventy five million in theaters, and then they put it on streaming, and it does well from there? This is about planting a flag for me when it comes to Amazon. Now, granted, they did have theatrical. You go back to, uh, you know, back 2017 when they were coming around as Amazon Studios. They started with theatrical and didn't have a whole lot of success. But you just have to applaud Amazon for putting this film in theaters, which is what we've been begging Netflix to do mm, for yeah. their films for years now. But yet there's been no movement on that. So for me, no matter how this film, and I think it's performing fairly well. Now, when you throw out the numbers, obviously, it's not going to make a profit from a theatrical standpoint. But it's about creating the brand Amazon in theaters, and people know that not everything that's on Amazon Prime is going to go direct to streaming. We're going to have these special films that we hold in high regard and put them in theaters like Air. And the other thing it does is very important is at the end of the year when we are discussing our awards landscape and you're looking at films that have a shot to make it theatrical will always get preferential treatment and as such that is what you're doing too with this so i'm okay with what it's doing box office wise you know we knew this wasn't going to come out and make 500 million dollars but, uh, you know, listen, we need to applaud Amazon for the move and we need Netflix to jump in. You know, Apple just committed a billion dollars mm -hmm. to theatrical. Why isn't Netflix? So really, for me, the numbers don't even matter. Right. I got to be honest with you. I just want to see more of these streamers put these films that are very legitimate theatrical films. And if you haven't seen air, it is one of the best films of the year, you know, then that's what we need to have. We need to celebrate that. Are we getting near an inflection point for Netflix? Do you think because of what, I mean, this is something Mike and I talked about in our most recent episodes too, but you mentioned it. Apple's dedicating a billion dollars because they want to become a serious player in theatrics, in the awards industry. They want to become a major studio akin to WB universal, et cetera. Uh, a lot of other streamers are pivoting that way too, away from just being streaming exclusive, but Netflix is still the one that's kind of holding fast because obviously that's been their business model. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's kind of getting near the, you know, uh, piss or get off the pot for lack of a better phrase time for netflix well, the, here 
the pressure's building. It has to um, because I've been leading the charge on this, guys. You know, I have yeah. been hammering Netflix for well over a year. Um, and, and, and this is the point where I'm never going to get invited to another Netflix event. And I'll be okay <laughs> with that. It's good. Because I'm trying to make something happen, which is to put their films and go back to A Power of the Dog. Forget Gray Man, which I think could be a theatrical film. I think it's a horrible film, but mm. should be theatrical. A lot of these films that are huge, um, you know, big $150 million productions, Red Notice, put these things in theaters. Why is that not at Regal, at AMC? It makes no sense to me. So I think that when you look at what Netflix and where they are right now, the pressure is on. Everyone is going, why are you not? They're still pretending it's 2020 or 2021, mm. and it's not. So hopefully they're going to figure this out because this award season, they better have to play by the same rules as everybody else. And if you're not going to put the killer in theaters right. like Air was for Amazon, then mm -hmm. I can't take it as seriously. I just I have to stick to my principles, which means theatrical needs to be a big component of the releases. I mean, just look at 1917, right? Remember, Universal, right before the pandemic that we had, we we had the film that was wide box office everywhere, major chains. And then you have you turn around and you look at on the West uh, on the Western. What is it called? Oh, my God. All quiet, yeah. Yeah. You look at all quiet on the Western front and you're looking at a film that was not in Regal and AMC and all the major change so it doesn't make any sense to me why we are not doing that and i think it's a disservice to the filmmakers too because that's a film all quiet's a film that should be wide should be available for people to watch on the big screen versus just at home on streaming and part of going on the theatrical route is obviously going to be uh, an influx or more marketing dollars put towards it and you you guys have already touched on the marketing dollars for air i don't even know if you would know the answer to this but mike and i certainly don't there was the rumored estimated $50 million extra put into marketing from Amazon into air when they decided to go theatrical. Do you know, is that price tag all foot by the distributor? Is that just Amazon's bill or does the production company, does someone like Skydance have to have a piece of that $50 million too in terms of marketing? You know, I don't, I don't have the, the exact breakdown on that, but think about this. Amazon's got the money, right? We know sure. that. Amazon's <laughs> got more than enough money. They can play with it. It's, it. It is monopoly money to them, as is the case with Apple. Netflix, lesser to an extent, because when you look at, uh, obviously, the stock has taken a beating. I haven't looked at it recently, but I know it did take mm. a beating. Uh, and, and it feels like they're starting to get a footing here. They're getting rid of of some of the shows that that aren't performing like they wanted them to they're they said they're going to restructure the film division finally we told them listen you need to make fewer films and make them of a better quality right mm -hmm. quality over quantity and they're they're figuring it out but i i think that when you look at air and the money being spent on it you know, for what Amazon has to deal with as far as what they have, the cash they have on hand is is quite different than the cash that Neon has on hand. And I am wondering in terms of the marketing dollars, if if we're looking at if we're looking at a time in theaters where it's a bit too congested because you seem to have one film on top of the of the next. Now, last year we only had, in 2022, 
Let's take March, for example. We had two films with sizable budgets. The Batman at $200 million and The Lost City at $68 million. Both were successful. But that's a lot of that's a lot of ground, you know, and a lot of room for each movie to do well, even though the the, the numbers were down. This year we've had eight films with budgets over thirty million dollars in March, including sequels to Scream, Creed, Shazam, John Wick. I mean D D, Dungeons and Dragons was a big budget play. And then you have mid to I don't know, medium budgets, uh, champion sixty five Operation Fortune. Again, eight films with sizable budgets where the marketing matters i'm i'm wondering eric i think on the one hand yes we're very happy that the product is back in theaters and that's something that you've banged the table on over the years on mmt especially but do you wonder if if we're getting past the saturation point where they're it's too congested it's really getting the audience to get back into the mode of going to theaters for films that over the past two years they have not gone to theaters to watch. And Champions is a great example of that. Mm. So if you go back to, let's say, let's you know turn the clock back to 2018, 2019. When you had a film like Champions, you knew that you had 90 days before it was going to arrive on streaming. That was the theatrical window, exclusivity. And as such, if you wanted to see it, you had to wait three months for it to be at home. The problem now for Hollywood is that you have people that are fully aware that even if it is in theaters exclusively right now, there's a good chance it'll be on streaming in 17 days, mm. in three weeks, in a month. And that's not a long time to wait. But if you ask people to wait 90 days and you look at what you know, what Paramount did with uh, Top Gun Maverick, 120 days. Right. They said we're going to we're not going to they put it out when that thing came out. You're not going to get this anytime soon. And what happened with that film? Right. We saw what happened when you tell people that there is no hope of you seeing it at home anytime soon. You are going to get anyone that's on the fence to go to a theater and we have to get back to that. Now, I understand that a 90 day window may be excessive to some at this point based on the availability that we had so soon uh, over the uh, pandemic, you know, day and date often. But if you want to get those numbers up, you're going to have to extend the theatrical window to at least 60 days. That will drive people back in to see these films. And credit to Amazon because they have not they played coy about when air is going to be on Prime. And that is how you do it. You do not even announce it. Even if you're going to drop it tomorrow, you don't tell anybody. Because if you say it's coming out tomorrow, no one will go see it today in mm. theaters. That's how you have to do it. You have to keep your cards close to the vest and not let these let the audience know when it's going to be on streaming, and you need to extend the windows. And as part of that, something that's obviously still theatrically exclusive and not having those windows shortened at all are the big-budget Marvel DC superhero properties. And yet, if you look at the box office returns for those... The Shazam sequel, obviously disappointing. Uh, the last couple Marvel movies, a little disappointing at least. Are we just, is this a cyclical thing where we're kind of going back into Martin Scorsese's, you know, euphoria where we might be phasing out or at least getting into like the 14th minute of the 15 minutes of relevancy that superhero movies and Marvel movies have had? Or is it just a lack of 
narrative momentum like we talked about in the pre-show today that these movies are suffering from. Well, I think it's it is definitely CBM fatigue, right? I mean, I feel it. I don't know if you guys do, but I mean, every time I go to see a CBM now, we know what these films are, even though I had a a lot more fun with Ant-Man 3 than most people. uh, Even that, I would much rather sit through, and you guys, this is not a surprise, I'd rather sit through a TAR than another CBM. (laughs) I want to watch something that challenges me, that stokes my interest, that gets me excited. And the thing is, is that CBMs just aren't doing that. They, They fit this the the pattern their blueprint we know what's going to happen pretty much across the board and i think that's what makes a film like a joker so interesting to watch even if it is a combination of king of comedy and taxi driver it doesn't matter it's still the fact that this is challenging what a cbm can be and that's what we need to have going forward i mean we already know even guardians 3 is probably going to just feel just much very much like any of the other cbms that we've seen and it's we need to break the mold somehow. But there's there's fatigue and in the especially when you start putting so many into the marketplace. That's the other thing. Mm. There's just too many. And nobody wanted to watch Shazam too. I mean, did you I didn't have any interest to watch mm-hmm, Shazam right. too. And I after watching haven't. it, I was like, why did we make this film? And that's what Warner Brothers learned. But but I think it just really comes down to audiences want something new as much as i don't like everything everywhere i shouldn't I'd just say don't i think it's incredibly overrated but it feels fresh compared to your typical cbm and that's what audiences want they just want something that feels new and interesting and these cbms just don't feel like that right now well i tell you eric because we we ride the highs and lows somewhat i i try to see a lot of stuff and our listeners know that, and I don't see it, you know, week of all the time because we're kind of doing our Oscars pundit thing. Like you, you, you know, remember I'm sure with the awards ace uh, being being so so popular for so long, but I, you know, I do see everything, and and I'm I'm basically. I'm basically having this ongoing crisis of faith all the time, and I wonder if you can help me with it. And, and, and if you can, if you can give me this pep talk as low as you are right now, because again, you are in a movie watching slump, and I feel very bad for you because <laughs> it's been Mar- Mario Renfield and Bones Afraid, and, oh my back God. to back to back. Yeah. You're savaging yeah. these films. Bones Afraid, oh, dear God. Uh, so you're 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 in it, man. You're in it. And MMT takes us on all these highs and lows. But something you said on a recent episode, I think it was like three episodes, maybe four episodes ago, it short-circuited my brain because it put into context this paradox that we all live with movies. We want to root for movie theaters. We want to cheer on the box office. And yet there is this voice in the back of all of our heads knowing that Hollywood is notorious They are legendary for recycling the popular shit. They are legendary for taking and making sequels and requels and remakes and all that stuff uh, that that does well. They want to give you more of it, and there's there's a law of diminishing returns always, almost always, let's just say. So I worry about, and I know we're in a unique time, but I worry about enabling them. (laughs) To do that as audience members, right? I mean, we're all part of the the same same uh, same tribe in that in that instance. So, how do you cheer for Mario when I know you hated Mario? How do you how do you do this? Can you help me with this crisis of faith, please? <laughs> well, you want to support. Obviously, I, I always want to support theatrical. And the first thing you can do is to get 
A-list at AMC or Regal Unlimited. I mean, for $25 a month, I, I cannot recommend that enough. It's Love one it, of the best it. things you're ever going to buy. I mean, you get three movies a week. You get 12 movies a month for $25. I mean, unheard of. Um, it's, it's great value, and it allows you to go check out all these films. Now, um, that that is definitely a challenge when you see a film like a Mario and you know that it's not a great film. This is the problem with Mario, is that you want it to be a special, zippy, insightful, smart, witty film. And it's none of those things. It is just by the numbers and the jokes are flat. And it, from that standpoint, it's a total disappointment. Uh, but for little kids... They're having fun. You know, you go to the AMC down it the street. Packed. The 16, it's packed, right? Yeah. And they're all dressed up mm -hmm. like Mario Luigi and they're having a great time. So of course we're gonna celebrate that. So that's you just you have to like step out of the way of, of some of these films and just go, let's celebrate that some people like them. That's great. Now, now, as I say that, <laughs> there is a film that just came out. And I don't ever do this, but I have to absolutely say that when you look at Bo is Afraid, A24's, you know, Ari Aster's new one, um, this is where I draw the line, where you watch a film that will very likely turn you against going to a movie theater anytime in the near future. That I can't recommend. Because then what you're doing is you're, you're actually making your audience go, I don't know if I want to see another movie. And, and that is a really bad place. But but for everything else other than Bo is Afraid, then we need to even a cocaine bear and a Magic Mike's Last Dance and a Renfield. All these films that are not good. But at least they I can sort of understand how someone might enjoy it. Uh, that we, we can go with it. But but really, at the end of the day, like you said, it's about keeping theaters alive. Remember back to 2020 and even 2021. Don't go to a theater. You're going to kill everybody. And that whole <laughs> you know narrative and oh, my God, that we had to get through that. And, and we kept it going. You know, I was going to movies down in Orange County when L.A. was shut down. We couldn't watch movies in the city of L.A. We had to drive down an hour to Orange County just south and to watch Tenant. I drove to Vegas to see Tenant for the first time. Oh, I went to wow. see it a second time in Orange County because we couldn't watch them in L.A. Because, again, everyone would die if you went to a movie <laughs> theater. So that's why... Uh, you know, the fact that we are still here and theaters are showing signs of life like 2019. I mean, I don't think Mario does any differently in 2019 than it does now. In fact, if anything, it might be doing better now because yeah. people realize they missed movie theaters. So that's, that's really where we are is a celebratory mo mood for, for what we're seeing with these audiences that are coming back to the multiplex. And I, I got to tell you, it's it's been a breath of fresh air with the Top Gun Mavericks and with the John Wick, Wick Chapter 4s, these action epics that I've loved since, you know, I've been a little kid. And rooting for something like John Wick Chapter 4, I have no problem with. Love the movie. And, and like you said, it may have some Oscars prospects. I'm hoping for at least a VFX. Uh, I, I think sound is probably in play, even though I'm kind of sound and score deaf sometimes, <laughs> at least on first viewing. 
editing I thought was I, I mean good god the amount of the quantity and the quality of the editing in that film is is next level in my opinion and then yeah I wonder if best picture is in fact if in play if if it picks up some text if if you know later in the year they look back at John Wick chapter 4 and everybody's like yeah that movie was effing awesome let's just nominate it for something because of course Let's just nominate the best movies. I mean, can can the Academy ever get there? Uh, Eric, what do you think? I knew you mentioned it earlier. Do you think John Wick Chapter 4 has a legitimate shot, and for which which categories? Well, why not? I mean, if we are doing it how we should be, nominating the best films. Right now, John Wick 4 is the best film that I saw yeah. so far in 2023, followed by Air. And, and those two films, why shouldn't they be in consideration for Best Picture? Beyond the tech, you know, look at John Wick. Obviously, we know the editing, sound, those things are, are there. Cinematography, probably not. But when you look at uh, the tech, then those things start to build the momentum towards building the larger awards piece, right? The, the Best Picture. So the more of those you have... The, the better chance you have of going up into the best picture category. It's going to be, you know, it's so early that it's hard to say uh, until we see everything in the landscape. But right now, it's going to be hard when I have a film, a John Wick, at a nine and a half out of ten. You know, when we get to these awards films, I don't usually have a whole lot of nine and a half. So if you just go by the number, right, then the, the grade, then it should be there. I don't see a reason why it shouldn't. Hmm. Or at least let's combine its uh, candidacy with the upcoming Mission Impossible movie and submit that to the <laughs> Academy as one movie and finally get some love for those big bu- big budget action pieces. Why can't we have both, right? We were saying Fallout should have been, I mean, a couple of years ago, I thought Fallout was right up there with the best of the year, even though I knew it had no shot from Academy standards, obviously. But yeah, that well, the ca- What are the Academy standards? You guys know how I right. feel about everything everywhere. Right. I mean, I mean, what are the Academy standards? The standard is a great movie. That is the standard. It's not about the best awards movie, you know, that fits into the parameters Mm -hmm. of what we consider to be an award. It's the best film. What film moved you the most? I mean, go back and look, as I mentioned, the Lego movie. The movie I wish that Super Mario had even one-tenth the creativity of mm. uh, Lego movie should have been a best picture. It's it's a it's one of the best animated films of all time. But we just so for whatever reason, people can't wrap their heads around it. I mean, you know, we, how many years we have a great documentary like an Apollo 11. Why can't that be yep. a, a, a best picture? I don't understand the, the thinking of that. You know, last year, Moon Age Daydream, one of the best films of the year, not documentaries, films. So you just got to get out of that mindset that it has to be a, quote, awards film to be a Best Picture nominee. Well, we can uh, transition and talk about what some other big budget and big box office movies may do at the Oscars. But we want to do kind of an over-under section with you as in terms of box office and worldwide box office specifically. Uh, we're going to run through a couple of these uh, big name titles coming out. We want you to, we're going to give you an over-under like Vegas, a sticking point, And we want you to guess and tell us and fill us in as to whether you think these things are going to do over or under the number we give you. And let's start at the top of the food chain here with a billion dollars. Uh, we have three movies here four movies i'm sorry uh we want your takes on will these movies do over or under one billion dollars worldwide at the box office let's start with one you already mentioned i think we know your answer to this but guardians of the galaxy volume three over or under one billion worldwide with the current comic book movie fatigue that is taking over the majority of audiences 
I am going to go under a billion. This is under. A, this is a billion, correct? Correct. Not mm-hmm. not eight fifty. Uh, yeah, uh, under a billion, but but huge. If the film is great, not good, not very good, great at a level like let's say Guardians One, which I think is better than two. Mm-hmm. If it's that kind of film that James Gunn gives us, then I'll push it closer to a billion. But I don't think it gets over either way. I think I I agree with you there. Uh, how about the I mean, I guess it's the end, except it's the first part of the end, so it's not the end. But anyway, Fast X, Fast 10. The last one did uh, less than three quarters of a billion, but it does have a history of uh, Fast 7 and 8 going over $1 billion. Does Fast X do over or under $1 billion? Okay, so here, remember, F9 was in 2021 when everyone was still playing. The, oh, my God, it's mm-hmm. scary to go to a movie theater. So because of that and and markets that were out of play, that number should have been higher. I am going to go with close to a billion. I'll put it at 975. I'll put it right up against wow. the edge. But again, it depends. Is it F9 is my God. I do not like that film. It is not a good film. But if Fast X is fun and is, you know, not as ludicrous as nine, which I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I think we get closer <laughs> to a billion. I think that that number for F9 uh, is is under because of the COVID situation because in, in the middle of 2021 we were still playing the game. We're going to space at some point, right? Oh, I mean, God. these next I two mean, movies right we have to end up in space, space in a car. So we <laughs> we're going to hell is where we're going. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, literally, it's like I mean, listen, we'll have fun watching it in a way, but again, <laughs> give me anything that challenges me other than Bo is afraid, and I will enjoy it more than Fast X is a good, is a good chance of that. Uh, something Mike and I have. have bantered about and think has a possibility of maybe being the box office high for the year want to know your thoughts the live action little mermaid over or under 1 billion oh definitely under definitely really yeah yeah i um listen it's because here's the thing just go in and search little mermaid on twitter right read the comments people people are fired up there is this is a very divisive film and we know why we don't need to get Uh, into all that okay we're not. I'm not. I, like I said, we when we do midnight movie talk, it's like I don't even like to use the word woke. Okay, I, I it just drives me crazy. But there is enough of a segment of the audience that seem to be you know pissed off about whatever the heck that is is going on here. I, I don't give it. It doesn't mean anything to me. I so want to see stupid, a good film, yeah. right? It, it's all that matters. We just yeah. want to see a good movie. Uh, but as such, I feel like this is going to be. Under and I could actually see it being substantially under. Now okay. that all changes if the film is again the higher we push towards the great, then the higher the number goes. If the film obviously is underwhelming, it's going to really hurt a Little Mermaid more than it will a Fast X. Fast X being underwhelming or not critically received uh, is not well. It's it's not going to do much to it. It's a fair but point, Little yeah. Mermaid's going to be much more dependent on word of mouth than Guardians or Fast X. Now, another one that's divisive, at least the initial one was, but it still managed to go over a billion dollars is, I guess, the sequel to Captain Marvel. We're getting the Marvels in late 2023. Uh, Captain Marvel did $1.13 billion worldwide. What about the Marvels, over or under a billion for you? Under, for sure. I mean, uh, the trailer for me looks very much like Ant-Man 3, right? It looks like a Shazam. It looks yeah. like a, a goof Marvel film. And 
you know, goofy kind of thing. And, and as such, that's going to be a problem. And again, that divisive people are raging about this, about that with that. And in Brie Larson certainly is a polarizing figure. I think that that Captain Marvel made that money on, you know, on the surge, the MCU surge. It was right in the heart of that. And that helped that film. Marvel's does not have that. So I'm going to actually say the Marvel's is going to look a lot like Eternals. When you wow. look at the numbers. Yeah, that's my guess. So in 2022, we had three p- films over a billion. Uh, hopefully we have a bunch more this year. So I'm wondering if this next group is actually uh, the group of films that you're p- perhaps more bullish on. We only had six films over $800 million in 2022, uh, according to your stats here, Mike, and uh, three in 2021. So again, hopefully... You're you're bullish on a, uh, at least one of these films, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. The last one did 791. Fallout, uh, Rogue Nation did 682 worldwide. Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning over under 800 million. Eric, definitely over. I, I think oh, cool. this has an absolute shot of going to a billion or more, and it's largely because of Tom Cruise and the Top Gun Maverick shine off of that film because people want to see Tom Cruise again. They love Top Gun Maverick. There's a reason why that film is the biggest domestic film of last year, made more money than Avatar 2 in the States, okay? Because people love that film and they went to see it multiple times and they want to see Cruise again. That is why that film is a billion plus. I'm going to lock that in at a billion. His exposure during award season was something we talked about. He didn't really go to many events, but did that Mm-mm. maybe help his like status as a headlining star once again in Hollywood? Maybe. I, it's weird. I don't know why he didn't. You know, he's at PGA. He wasn't at the Oscars. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, now, granted, he got an award, right? He didn't he get the lifetime achievement from PGA, yes. so he had to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, you know, out here during award season, we get invites for all these events, and I was expecting at least one or two with Tom Cruise. I mean, they, they do them for everybody. He yeah, didn't yeah. do anything for that film. He really didn't get out and press the flesh with voters like I thought he would, at least a little. Um, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it even matters, uh, especially with the movie going public. They don't care. Right. Um, so I, I think that that doesn't even have any effect whatsoever on, on this film doing the numbers we expect it to do when it comes out here. What is it? It's in middle late July, right? Yeah. Late July. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you look at Fallout, the other thing that I think is going to really help this film is it has one of the best trailers that I maybe have ever seen. And and I'll tell you, trailers go a long way. Obviously, they're meant to sell the movie, but if you have a trailer as strong as that, that's going to help too. It's over a billion. This is over a billion easy on that film. So Dune Part 1 did $402 million, but that was day and date with HBO Max back in the day when that was going on. Dune Part 2, there seems to be a lot of upside for it. However, the last time this story was attempted, David Lynch, that movie was a disaster. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the story, even though I'm a huge fan of the production values. And Mike and I are both a big fan of mm-hmm. production values in the first movie. I just fucking hate this book with a passion of a thousand <laughs> worms i, I read i li- I've been, i was listening to it as i was going to the film festivals it was off i just hate that story anyway dune part two over under 800 million i'm rooting for the adaptation to work here i'm a big fan of the, the director denis villeneuve but uh I, this is a big question mark isn't it dune part two 
I love the first. I think the first was my favorite film of 2021. Oh, wow. Because you had, obviously, the tech values, as you say. But I also believe that in that film you see Denis working much better at editing uh, his film to the, the, the thrust of the film doesn't ever lose momentum to the point of like a Blade Runner 2049, which needs to be edited. Every single scene needs to be, you know, crumpled, just absolutely compacted down. Yeah. I love Dune 1, so I can't wait for Dune 2. Even if I do agree with you that the story is underwhelming, it do, it's not that. For me, it is about the world building, the production design, right? That If that is as great as what we saw with Dune, which we know it will be with Part 2, then I'm going to very likely love this film too. This is probably... A little under 800 million. That 402 is all about day and date. It's mm. all about still the COVID. It's all about that. So that move. That's a much higher number with theatrical exclusivity and not in the middle of you know go to a theater you're going to die. So if you get if you take those things and remove them, then that's going to push this film to I say 700. Um, I think the fact that it's part two will help as well, too, because most people don't like to watch a movie that is not a complete film. They want to see the entire thing. So especially a film like Dune that's not, you know, Lord of the Rings. Um, as such, I'm going to push it to about 700 for worldwide on that. I'll wow. say this about Dune as well, with, as far as Denis Villeneuve goes. Neither Mike or I were crazy about the, the story of the movie, but I think it's also our most offensive miss, both in DGA and the Oscars, that Denis Villeneuve didn't get nominated for director oh. at either of those unreal and yeah. we talk all the time about extracting elements of films right no, no matter what it is even if you, you don't listen you have to have him there for director you yeah. Yeah. there's no you you must do that and i you know i took critics choice to task last year for not having Kaczynski in there for director. They had mm -hmm. 10 nominees. They didn't have Kaczynski. How do you do that? Right. He should be in the five, let alone the 10. So, yes, 100%. Biggest miss that year was not having him nominated. He should have won, let alone be nominated. Speaking of good directors, Greta Gerwig is in charge of Barbie. Her husband, Noah Baumbach, wrote the script for the film, like you, I'm a little concerned about the marketing. And 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 look, I want I want Film Twitter to be happy with this movie. I do want Barbie to succeed. I am a little concerned about the corny ass jokes in the, in the trailer, like you like you talked about on MMT. But like you have bona fide filmmakers making this movie. They they know how to make awesome awesome uh, uh they know how to make big hits with little women greta gerwig really had a lot of pressure on her for that that was my mother's favorite story ever and she came through with flying colors greta gerwig on little women so i'm hoping and i'm rooting for barbie here eric i don't know where to slot this one in in terms of our kind of our tears but based on its ip you would think barbie's got a shot at being a huge smash hit it better be great is this is another movie just like Little Mermaid that'll be very much dependent on those reviews, on the word of mouth. I have great concerns after watching the trailer because it does not look that fun to me. But does I it do have, have to? But does it have to be great? I mean, considering you weren't crazy about Super Mario World and look what that's yeah. like, doesn't it just have to appeal to kids? Maybe. It's different. This is not a movie for kids, right? When you watch that trailer, you know this is not it, – it is a movie. Barbie does not look like a movie for kids, right? It looks like a movie for Gen Z. It looks like a movie for, for the younger audience, not for little kids. And, and even though obviously the IP 
little girls playing with Barbie dolls. That's that's but the movie's not that. So I don't think it's it, it's very similar in in that regard to tomorrow, even though it seems okay. like it is. I don't believe. It. But that said, um, I, I think that when you look at the film, um, it's it's because it's Gerwig and Baumbach. I do have a, a lot of faith in in that pairing and bringing us something that is smart and witty and all the things that Super Mario is not. Uh, but I think that it's going to come down to because it's going to be strange, right? You can tell it's not going to be a normal film because Greta doesn't do normal and, and Noah <laughs> certainly doesn't either. Um, but when you look at can I just take a second, by the way, to plug a movie, the two of them that, that really, I think, cemented their status was Mistress America. If you've not watched Mistress yeah. America, you need to watch. I love that is one of my favorite films of the past decade film that I revisit all the time. The dialogue in that film, Mistress America, is brilliant. And I hope that there's some of that in Barbie, because I think the trailer clearly is not showing us everything this movie is. My hope is is that it has a don't worry darling and I know a lot of people are like oh someone just groaned I heard you because <laughs> right it's got that some another layer there even I think don't worry darling is a very entertaining film and I think Olivia does a ver very strong job directing that film but Barbie is going to have that next layer right it's going to have that the the village kind of situation you know it's going to be in, in in a little girl's mind i don't want to ruin the movie but it has to be it cannot be the movie we just watched in the trailer if that's the case and it's genius and people are really excited about this film then we're going to push it to i'd say 800 sounds about right okay. um but if it's if it is a movie that goes south with the word of mouth and it doesn't work like that tr second the second trailer we got watch out this could be a real problem for Warner Brothers. And finally, to round out the $800 million over under here, we have Aquaman 2. The first film made $1.14 billion, and $800 million of that came overseas. So 300 something domestic, 800 something overseas for Aquaman 1. But we've seen some DC fatigue, Black Adam underperformer shazam 2 obviously underperformer i wonder if the new dcu is putting a shelf life on the old material uh especially with the dceu stuff and aquaman certainly a part of that what do you think about aquaman 2 over under 800 million well interesting because same thing as the flash right we, we've already stated gun stated these are these characters are not going forward right. with the dcu so that's going to be the challenge for that film. I'm hearing Flash is great, and it's going to screen at CinemaCon. Is that next week? It's very soon. Yeah. Um, so you're going to get a lot of early buzz about that. Remember that Paramount did that with Maverick last year. Remember they dropped it at CinemaCon, and look what happened. So Flash is it will help. If that film does well, Flash does a billion or close to it, and everyone loves this thing, then that will, will have the shine and mm. rub off on Aquaman 2. Um, I mean, again, like you said, it really is about overseas for a lot of these films. Aquaman 2 is another one of those. So I will take it at nine. I'm not going to take it at, at over a billion. Okay. I, I'm telling you, the first film, first of all, is Aquaman 1 and 2. This is Aquaman 3. So anyone who sat through Aquaman 1 <laughs> knows there's two movies in there. So this is actually Aquaman 3, to clarify. Uh, but yeah, this is this is not. I, I think it's going to go under, and for a lot of the reasons you said, the fact that audiences know that this is the end of the road. But it will go higher based on how the Flash does. 
Well, let's talk about the flash and let's talk about over-unders for uh, 600 million, kind of three polarizing properties that are long-term IPs or at least part of long-term long-term IP storytelling here. And, you know, I would say all the controversy attached to The Little Mermaid is uh, dumb because, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. what, you can bitch about how there's no yep. black mermaids that, that exist and my counter would be because they're not real, period. Right. Uh, yep. So, but I would th- say the controversy and the polarization that The Flash brings with Ezra Miller and all his baggage, a little more substantiated, a lot more substantiated, let's be honest. Uh, you seem to be speaking positively of it. All the early reviews we've heard from word of mouth are that this is a great film. $600 million, you're going over with The Flash? Yes. Definitely over. Um, it, it feels like, you know, it's interesting when you follow box office and you just you feel the trends, you feel almost the air, right? You can tell through the zeitgeist what is going to push higher or lower. You just get a feeling like, you know, like great example this weekend, Renfield, a movie that you when you watch, especially you go, this movie is not going to be a big hit and it's going to be under 10 million. When you you just got that feeling coming into it. When you feel what I feel right now for the Flash is people are getting excited for this film. Warner Brothers is being very smart about mm. dropping these little things. You know, Tom Cruise. I've seen it's amazing. All these little things are coming out there that that they are getting this film and the buzz is building perfectly for Warner's and for this film. And next week at CinemaCon, when you have all of that. Uh, building towards this opening, I think that it's definitely over 600. And I actually am in a place that I never thought I'd be, for those of you who listen to MMT, and and I appreciate you guys uh, watching the channel, is that I said that it was over for Ezra Miller. There's no chance whatsoever. But I'm telling you, the man has kept his nose clean for how many months now? Right? It's like the accident site. That how many days without an accident? We're up to day, like, number 250 or something. I mean, it's a record for Ezra. It's Isn't a, he locked away, though? Well, yeah. oh, he should be. He should be. I told him, put him on the island or the, the house there on Minority Report. At the end of the movie, they're living in the house reading books. Yeah. Put him in that. Well, the, just get, it, get him the, out of here. The marketing around The Flash, when that comes, it's got to be all Keaton, doesn't it? Doesn't it? He has to be the centerpiece of everything yeah. that they're pushing with this movie? I wouldn't bring Ezra in, right. even if, you know, because things are, are just where you want them. Ultimately, just like... When you look at the Jonathan Major situation, you want to have it go away. You just want it to get out of people's minds, and that's what's happened with Jonathan Majors. Look, right? It's now. We're not even – no one's discussing it. Mm. So when you look at the Ezra Miller, same thing. So why would you want to thrust him back in front of cameras? It's going to be a weird situation, though, when they're like – Warner Bros. like, hey, everybody, come. Here's the cast of The Flash. Where the hell's Ezra? But yeah, you understand right. why. It'll be strange, and there'll be a lot of articles written about it, but I just don't think I would put him up there. Um, and it, it, it will be a challenging uh, promotional campaign for them when, yeah. when they get that going. But if the film is great, which by all indications it seems to be, then that is going to push this number way past 600. Uh, another one that's done well historically in terms of being past 600 as a franchise, and I would argue definitely has some fatigue, but maybe they're rebooting it now. Transformers Rise of the Beast. Look, I don't think there's been a Transformers movie that's done under 600 million. Will this be the first one? Are we counting Bumblebee? Uh, Remember last... that? I, what did that thing do? That well, I mean, I, that's not. It is Transformers, but it's yeah. not right. Right. What What was the number on that? Whatever. But but here's here's. It's been what since seventeen since we had like our true Transformers movie. Eight. These movies 
are all about, and, and you have the numbers in front of you, it's overseas, right? Look yeah. at this thing in China. Look at this thing. Yeah. It's insane, the international numbers on Transformers. So uh, the, is the number, you said 600 or 700 or 800? So it's 600 because the last two, uh, Age of Extinction was 605 and Bumblebee was 467. And I, I don't want my co-host to push me into a rewatch of these movies, <laughs> which is why I'm down on it. I'm biased. Yeah, I, I'm going to go over because um because of because of international because of overseas because of china i'm not i'm not gonna stateside i see it underperforming um you know comparatively to the other films but it'll probably end up turning a profit for paramount at the end of the day which is all they really they'll be fine with that and we'll probably get another one uh and some speaking of we'll probably get another one one that i don't think uh, many people saw us getting but we are getting it uh indiana jones and the pudding cup of dessert or whatever the, the acronym is going to be the <laughs> subtitle there indiana he's jones old, harrison ford's going to do it again uh they're they're trotting him out there he's going to be the centerpiece of the action movie uh over or under 600 million you got to go over uh, although i'm not taking it at a billion i i am under on this film because oh, over 600 but under definitely under a billion uh, because even though a lot of people are going to be oh it's Indiana Jones it just feels like the younger audiences are not nearly as hyped for Indiana Jones as we are and you know, right. I'm not even that hyped to see it honestly mm-hmm. I saw the trailer I think it's fine I do think Mangold's a very strong technical and very proficient director so I'm, I'm excited to see his take on it uh, but I'm not that excited to see the film. So I think that as such, if I'm not that hyped for it, then how's a young kid going to feel? Mm. So as such, I'm going to take it uh, definitely under a billion, but I think 600 should be manageable. Let's take it at 725. Cool. Uh, we'll move into this the last few sections here of this, and we'll go a little faster. I'll give you two at once, Eric. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Uh, it, it, that I'm going... Over under 500. The same for Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan. And and look, uh, Spider-Verse 1 was 384. Tenant was 365 in hard times. But Dunkirk was only 527 in good times. So over under 500 million, Spider-Verse uh, 2 and Oppenheimer. Spider-Verse over for sure. Cool. I think that that nice. will definitely clear that bar. Oppenheimer's really interesting because you listen to the Nolan fans, the film Twitter people, they love, they can't wait. But the average person is not excited to watch Oppenheimer. As mm. such, I'm taking it under 500 million, which I know is heresy for any <laughs> film Twitter person listening right now. How is that possible? It's Christopher Nolan. We're talking box office. We're not talking about whether we want to see the movie uh, or not. We, Of course we do. We love him as a technical filmmaker. No one is more proficient than him. But uh, again, even Tenet in bad times, 365, if it's in good times, it's under, it's under 500 million. I think Tenet has more interest in the average person than a movie Oppenheimer. So I'll give you this next in a trio, and the number we're looking at is $350 million over under. Killers of the Flower Moon, the last two Leo uh, blockbusters, I guess, or at least the ones that I can remember, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood did 377 in good times. Wolf of Wall Street did 406 in 2014, I believe. So $350 million for Killers of the Flower Moon. Maybe that makes sense. I don't know. Uh Three hundred fifty million for that. At the Exorcist, I just wonder if the if there's a lot of juice for the for the next film. I know the Halloween's uh, 
with David Gordon Green, did a couple hundred million each. And, and, and then Elemental. Pixar is at a weird time right now where they did a lot of Disney Plus releases. I know you've been down on that, so so have we. So over under $350 million. Flower Moon, Exorcist, Elemental. Flower Moon under, no question. Way under. Um, I mean, especially at over three hours, it's it's, it's very under <laughs> 350. <laughs> Exorcist, maybe uh, above. Uh, man, David Gordon Green after Halloween ends. I mean, I have no faith in this man. Uh, if I would have watched the cut of Halloween ends that they gave me, and I was at Universal, I would have said it, instantly as soon as it ends, David, you are fired. You have 15 <laughs> minutes to get your stuff out of your bungalow, and you may leave the lot. Your key card will expire in 15 minutes starting now. And he needs to leave, and it's over. But it, they gave him this movie, so I have no faith. So I'm going to actually go under because it's going to be terrible uh, just based on Halloween ends. And then Elemental above for sure especially if it's huge. Uh, as far as a, a great film, a great Pixar film, I would say Soul is a very close to great. I think, you know, obviously when he turns into the cat, it loses some momentum, but the highs of that film I love. And the fact that it's going to be theatrical only, and if they don't say it's going to be on Disney Plus in 20 days, then Elemental is easily going to clear 350. I... Uh... I would love to be a fly on the wall of the conversation with you and David Gordon Green in that aspect. I was, that was, uh, you that know, I would guard. listen to the tickets. I'm getting, everyone's coming after me on film Twitter for what I said about Ari Aster. I would do, why would you not? I mean, these, these executives in Hollywood need to do things like that after you watch films like Halloween ends. I mean, that's a complete desecration of Michael Myers. I understand it's a slasher film. It's Halloween. It doesn't matter. It's a classic film character that he absolutely destroys and as such uh you can never make a movie for me again you can't be trusted with a franchise like the exorcist no i way. am curious to see how he how he does that because i mean the first halloween you know the 2018 everybody loved it you know and i mean we we had our issues with halloween ends as well but you know he's at least proven that he can reinvigorate and pay homage to the original of a long-standing mm -hmm. horror franchise so i am curious to see that um but i, I share your concerns about halloween ends as well I, i'm wondering you know kind of dealer's choice here is there anything that you think is going to surprise at the box office or anything that like you you want to say hey just be on the lookout something we haven't mentioned where you have your eye on and be like this could be a real box office surprise maybe it doesn't you know do a billion dollars or 500 million but something that's maybe more mid-level that you think could surprise at the box office when you look at and, and i and we have a little list here when you look at like sisu which is Lionsgate's <laughs> new action film they actually invited me to come over and watch that at the Lionsgate studios and i still haven't made my way across town because that's how much traffic sucks in this town but i i hear it's very fun very entertaining um so i could see that do well i mean but if you're looking at if we're going to set the bar at like you know 75 million then i don't think it can get to that uh, but could it be, you know, a, a breakout hit at a lower level than that? Yes. Um, you know, I see some other things here that you have, like Asteroid City. I like that. The trailer, I mean, I, who doesn't love Wes Anderson and his just aesthetic, right? Mm -hmm. The look of his films is enough for me to go watch, even if I don't always love the narrative. The, the reason I 
really enjoyed the French Dispatch more than a lot of his stuff is that you're broken down into the three stories. Yeah. So you're not stuck in one for the entire time. Asteroid City is another quirk fest, and you're stuck in one place. But I just love the aesthetic. Um, again, you know, reviews, if they're really high, I mean, it's critics, so there probably will be. But if the word of mouth, <laughs> if, it's, if it's a little more accessible for a Wes Anderson, then we will push that number pretty well. Uh, I think that Jennifer Lawrence movie, you know, the, the comedy with no hard feelings, yeah, yeah. that looks like the kind of thing that a raunch calm that we haven't had for a while. So I could see that becoming a, a breakout hit. Uh, you know, the, 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 for most of these films that are, you know, a Sisu or a no hard feelings and some of these smaller films, um, it's really about capturing the zeitgeist capturing the lightning in the bottle and then getting audiences to all of a sudden become aware of something they weren't aware of you know just days before before all this hit and you look at something that caught fire and did exactly that was everything everywhere all at once so it's possible that these things can occur but it really comes back to the quality of the film um, if the film is lights out and, and makes you want to get out and tell everybody to go see it like a John Wick 4, uh, then you see the numbers go higher because yeah. everybody wants to be part of something that is a great experience. And, and you want to and when you want to go out there and tell shout to the world, go see this. That's only going to push these numbers higher. So until you see it, it's kind of hard. But I will say there is one that pops up in my mind because horror is doing so well right now. It doesn't matter what it is. Horror is pretty much outperforming with the exception of something like the Pope's Exorcist, which looks unwatchable. Mm. I probably will see it this weekend. But, I mean, horror films like The Boogeyman, which, you know, if you don't know the story of that, they were going to put it on streaming on Hulu. And then they did some test screenings and Disney's like – people like this yeah let's put this in theaters like barbarian like smile from paramount so i i have a feeling the boogeyman is going to be a film that outperforms above what we expect it to i mean not like some raging you know 500 million dollar film but still like a barbarian that audiences have fun with and they get scared with and they want to tell people go see this movie yeah, I'm I'm hoping that a lot more Oscar campaigns kind of grow that way as well, and and they can happen any time of the year. Everything everywhere. It was fun to watch that last year and cheer on the box office at the very least. And even though like you know I, I wasn't as high on it as some people either, but we still love the performances, etc. Eric, we have we have another crisis of faith here, at least for me, <laughs> because <laughs> the best picture box office has declined at least in terms of the hit rate. Yes, we had four movies last year that did profitable business, obvious profitable profitable business in theaters with Elvis and of course everything everywhere, Avatar 2 and Top Gun. We had a couple tent poles in there for sure, which was great to cheer on. But I got to do- jump into the negative side of this question because and I did some stats. Last year, we had five Best Picture nominees that made less than that multiple of three times their budget. And, you know, you've talked about it on the show, MMT. That is the number to to look at as, as kind of a gauge. From 2019 back through 2010, that's 10 years, only seven Best Picture nominees, by my count, seem to be under that number Uh, under that ratio of three times the budget, under that multiple, that is. Only seven 
Best Picture nominees. And obviously, we've had a lot of Best Picture nominees. I, I should have counted them. But this has been in the you know 8, 9, or 10 era of Best Picture uh, categories. Uh, we're, now we're at the hard 10. And last year, half of these films were money losers. Triangle of Sadness, Banshees. I, I hope they made their money back on VOD. Women Talking clearly lost money, I would say. The Fablemans, Tar clearly lost money. And that's a heartbreak for us three. We all love Tar. Mm -hmm. So do you think that this is just a a symptom from these terrible times that we just got through? And you think we'll get the best picture box office back? Because good God, man, we had some years where even the fifth seed was making a couple hundred million dollars. Never mind the best picture winner. Even Green Book... For whether you like that film or not, four hundred million or whatever. I mean, King's Speech was a bona fide tentpole, like eight hundred million multiples of you know on a on a mid tier budget, forty million dollar budget, multiples of like twenty. Are we are we getting back there? How concerned are you right now for the best picture box office, the Oscars effect on the industry? You have to. This gets back to what we talked about at the top of this uh, discussion here today is you have to have a theatrical window in place that is not 10 days. It is yeah. not two weeks. You can't do that. And I think the other thing that you have to get to protect the films from that regard, but you also have to get audiences to get back into the mindset of watching films like Tar, Fablemans, Women Talking, Triangle Set. These films you need to watch in a theater. And over the past two plus years, they've been given to you at home, like a nomad land, right? Straight to home. So as such, you got in this mindset that I can watch these prestige films that don't necessarily need to be seen on a big screen as much as we love theatrical. You don't have to watch women talking on an IMAX screen. Okay. (laughs) There's just really no reason that you need to do that. But of course we would do it because we love going to the movies and we want to support theatrical. But I think that's the challenge is getting audiences to get back into the mindset that they can go out to the movies to see these smaller films that don't necessarily have to be seen on the big screen. But the way that you make that happen is to give the films a very hefty theatrical window, a lengthy one, not two weeks, not three. You've got to make it minimum 30. I would argue 60. That will change it because then people will be like, well, I hear this tar is great. I want to see it. I don't want to wait two months. I want to see it today. That's how you change it. Good. And that actually answers. I had a couple of follow-ups for you, but that, that answers it. It's, it's all in the windows. I agree. A hundred percent. And it's funny that I read that. Did you see the tweet the other day? It was from, I think, Variety. It had a box office analyst or some analyst from some giant, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase going, you know, theatrical windows have proven to be a crucial part. I'm like, oh, my God, are you serious? (laughs) This guy's making six figures and I'm doing a show on YouTube. What the hell? What happened to my life? What have I done so horribly wrong? This man's getting paid for something we've been talking about for years. It's so obvious. Are you kidding me, dude? It's like it couldn't be more obvious that if you allow viewers to watch a movie at home, they're going to take that option like 90 percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a running, uh, you know, hypothesis. Mike and I have talked about a lot is that like people get home from work and they're exhausted and, you know, they have the option of sitting down and hitting a button and watching something. 
Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, hopefully, hopefully, more people get a list. I think is that that's the goal of this episode, right? It, there's no reason not to, especially as a single person. Okay, so if you're single, there's <laughs> you don't have an excuse. Even if you're a family, let's put it at a hundred. Okay, so let's say you take the family of the movies twice. That's still cheaper when you have the A list at a hundred because it's going to cost so much more. Tickets are expensive. You know, I actually paid to see Bo is Afraid, which makes it even more painful. <laughs> I ran out of Aylands, and I had to pay. I think it was 11. Thank God it wasn't more. And I go, oh, my God, I paid for this. So I'm allowed to extra rent on that. But, but yeah, I mean, when you have three movies a week, like I'm going to go see Suzumi, the, the new anime yes, movie. Yes, today. me too. And, and I might go see The Pope's Exorcist. I don't want to, but I have a free movie. Maybe tomorrow at 9 o'clock, you know, after, after I do MMT, I might go see The Pope's Exorcist. That's the beauty is it just gives you the freedom to go, ah, let's go to a movie. And if it's bad, you don't care because it's part of the plan. And you can also see the the Dolby's, the IMAX's, the Primes, 3D. They don't charge you more. So it's really, quite honestly, one of the best values you're ever going to find. Well, I, let me, let's be honest, Eric. Most people may not care, but you care. You, I mean, you're riding it right now. I mean, it's a it's a it's a tiger by the tail sometimes with these movies. We're glad to have them back, but yeah, I hope you get out of your slump soon. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go see Suzumi. Uh, early next week as well. And, and thank you. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for taking us through uh, all these questions. Uh, we tried to give you the toughest ones we can think of. And and please, you know, what uh, what do you have coming up on the channel? I, I don't want to put undue pressure on you, but uh, awardsace.com, nine pages. When do you expand uh, When do you expand the website for this year's Oscar projections, etc.? Yeah, you know, I, I try to leave it at, at nine just for the first few months of the, the actual season, which starts, the, you know, obviously the night of the actual Oscars we have the next year ready to go. Uh, I think that we'll wait until at least this summer, probably like, you know, probably July, and we'll probably put a few more up, maybe add three here or there. But but really, uh, you know, the big ones are up right now, all the, all the major categories. And um, when, when you uh, are looking at it, it's also one thing you want to do is see as many films as possible. And we're so early that uh, it's, it's hard to get super juiced about it, right? Because <laughs> you're like, mm-hmm. I've seen only so many films that even would be an option. I mean, right now, very quickly, if I were to look at things that I think are possible for awards, we mentioned John Wick 4. For me, it would be in supporting Jason Bateman air and Viola Davis air, uh, maybe Matt Damon in lead. Um, you know, the, these are some things that I see right now. I, there's mm. some films I haven't gotten to. Like, I didn't quite get to just yet. I want to. I want to see a thousand and one. Didn't I, I, I thought she's solid. amazing? In it. Yeah. yeah, she's very good, right? The actress. She is very good, and she takes scenes in in, in oblique ways. Like the reactions are big when you won't when you don't expect. And I give her credit. It's a, it's a performance that surprised me. And, and she actually has some. You know, like like Leo says, she takes. She she's unexpected. Let's just say, like she, you think she'll you think she'll go off in one scene, and then she's like Michael Corleone, and I, I'm impressed. Okay, I like that. So I, I I'm gonna get to that, and I know Past Lives seems to be getting a lot of uh, oh, yeah. of love, and it's coming out here soon for May 24. So yeah, so I mean it's it's so early, but uh, but you know we always are looking for stuff. That's as we've discussed so many times over the years. You're always looking for something that you can put into awards consideration at the end of the year, no matter when it is. Even though this time of year it's tough. I mean we're in April. You're just not gonna get the great stuff like you are in October, and November. 
Well, thank you, buddy. Uh, yeah, as always, we cannot thank you enough, Eric. Uh, definitely go check out awardsace.com. Go look out for all of Eric's hard work there. And well, we love having you on, man. We're one of our good friends here. And we, uh, you know, we have, you, you said that at the end there. I was like, wow, we have, we've been doing this for years now with each other. We so have. been dancing this dance a while now. At some point, we'll meet in person. It's always so weird, isn't it? When you, you, you talk to people on Twitter, like I was just in a movie the other day. I walked out of the Burbank, uh, the IMAX down there, and this kid came running out and he goes hey you're eric i go yeah and i was like what's going on here and i thought i was like i thought i was you know getting filmed for some kind of viral thing and the kid goes can i just get a selfie with you I go, yeah sure absolutely it's weird because you don't know and they say i'm such and such on twitter i'm like oh my god like that's it you right. don't realize the connections you make so i can't wait to meet you guys finally at some point out here in la <laughs> like likewise buddy uh as always dear listener we want to hear from you as well what are you most looking forward to what are your box office projections and where do you think uh us and or eric was right or wrong about any of these you can leave us those as always on our social medias we are mike mike and oscar on facebook and instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com that comment on reddit we are available wherever you do hear a podcast if you're listening to us on apple or spotify if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review if you're watching midnight movie talk on youtube be sure to go check out eric there give him a comment and a thumbs up uh michael tell the good people what's coming next from us and let's have some words of wisdom to go out on yeah two things oscar race checkpoint we're getting back to those of course because we have a can lineup announcement and uh we want to you know dive into that uh i also went to the new director's new uh new films festival in new york so i got some reviews for you guys and then uh we're gonna do our top 10 feared films with swell at some point uh the movies we're afraid of we're afraid are gonna suck or we're afraid are gonna be oscar and shouldn't we've been disgustingly positive eric you'll be you'll be upset with us disgustingly <laughs> positive during our year in preview series we got to get back now to we our... have to say bo is afraid is on that list right <laughs> after talking to eric we have to we absolutely have to anyway but thank you eric we're Words of wisdom today. Follow Eric Weber. Subscribe to his YouTube channel, Midnight Movie Talk. Uh, you're doing God's work with some of these reviews, Eric. But you're also, you're also. I mean, I crave YouTube content immediately when there's a movement in the film world, and nobody else really does it. And then some people are just kind of, you know, joshing around. I mean, look, I, I just, I just. Here's what I, my prayer for you. And I'm not usually this religious or spiritual. I'm just not. But I know you're going and you're turning villain on all these people on film Twitter. But, like, you know, there's some sweet and wonderful people there as well. I just, I just, uh, I don't want them to come after you with the torches and the pitchforks, man. You got, you got, you know, it just, uh, it's just. It's challenging, and you know what you do? You just go. You, the, the whole reason that we're doing this, and, and I'll make this quick, is that we are passionate about film. We want to watch great works yeah. of art. That's what we want. We don't want to come out of a movie and say that it's one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah. I don't want to do that, okay? That's a waste of three hours of my time in the oh. case of Bo is Afraid. Mm. But, but that's the passion. You need to appreciate that. I hope you appreciate that because there's no agenda involved here. I, have, I only want to see great films. Good. 
Well, you, I was just saying, you know, I hope people take it with a grain of salt. Like, you, you're you turning heel. You're like a wrestler uh, in it's the so WWE, true. right? I mean, come yeah, on. I can respect people it. People are taking it so seriously. <laughs> it's Jesus. so true, guys. That's exactly what I actually think of myself as. <laughs> Walking to the ring as the crowd is throwing beers at me. I mean, the next couple of screenings, you just got to start hitting people with chairs. I mean, embrace, <laughs> you know, go full heel. The there you go. <laughs> I might need to. There you go. Uh, guys, when reality sucks, hey, you could turn heel with us and our friends here. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. Eric, thanks once again, buddy. You got it, guys. See you guys.